We come to worship God in this holy place and we recognize that we are standing upon sacred land, a land that comes from the Creator but before the time of the dreaming was entrusted to the Kulin nations. We recognize them, their elders past and emerging and we pray that as a community we'll be guided into deeper reconciliation. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is written that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, salty, lighty people, let us come and worship God as we sing, There is a Hope. As we sing, Here I Am to Worship. First reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 48. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The second read is taken from Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 46. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? 
When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Good morning. Uh, as Andy said, um, I'm introducing the, some biblical foundation of care. Now, a couple of years ago, we did an evening service series on called I Care, where we looked at how we care for ourselves and how we care for others. And when I told Andy this, he said, oh, we're launching a new pastoral care or a care theme in, within this church and it'd be good to explore some of that. And as I said before, that um, we, we're using the term care, but in churches we use pastoral care, but we mainly want to just talk about how care because I think uh, they're pretty much the same and I'll talk about that in a second. But let's just open up in a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you that you teach us through your word and you have the example of Jesus through our lives. Lord, open up our word this morning as we get to learn from you and learn about you and how we can apply it in our lives. We ask that you give us open hearts and open minds this morning. In your mighty, wonderful name. Amen. So as I was growing up, especially in my primary school days, I loved animals and I wanted to be a vet. And I wanted to have as many pets as possible. I was fortunate enough to have a fair few pets. Uh, at various times we had cats, dogs, guinea pigs, fish, rabbits, lizards, insects. Now, not all of them got along, um, but <laughs> I was able to have some of them. And I grew up in Melton, which for those who know it now, uh, is built up a little bit, but back then as well, it was a few spaces with lots of open areas as well. And so sometimes my friends and I, we would used to go out and collect some lizards. And mainly the big ones, like the blue tongues and the shinglebacks, and there's a little creek nearby, which we used to go and collect some. Now, back in the day, I didn't think you needed permits to, to, to collect these, and I, well, I didn't think so anyway. Um, and so we used to collect them. I remember the first time I bought one home and my mum said, no, you can't have it in the house. You can't have a lizard in the house. Uh, well, so we compromised a little bit and we said, okay, can I keep it outside? And I said, we used to have fish. We had that old fish tank lying around. 
And so I said, I know what I can do. I can get some sand and get some dirt and get some other things and put it in this fish tank and keep the lizard in there. So as I said, my friends and I caught some lizards. And we caught one blue tongue on this one day. And so we made a deal, the three of us, we made a deal, as all teenagers, all primary school kids do, they said, I'll keep it for three days and you can keep it for the next three days and you can keep it for three days after that. And we just keep on going like that. So we argued over who was going to keep it first. And so I got to keep it first. And I thought, oh, this is great, my first lizard. My mum's going to be so proud of me. We're going, to, we're going to keep it in the backyard and go from that. So I brought it home and we brought this lizard back into the, the, the fish tank. Now, but I didn't want to keep it in the fish tank. I wanted it inside with me. I wanted it inside the house. So I had an old box. I, thought, I, I took out some of the stuff from inside the box and put it into my new box. And I thought, okay, how can I hide this box in my bedroom? And so, as any boy does, they don't clean up their clothes that well. Uh, so I put this box and I made sure there was holes in it and I put my clothes near the top of it so I could at least hide it from my parents. So I went out to get some snails and worms and things like that and about an hour later, I went to the box I lifted the lid up and I couldn't find a lizard anywhere. <laughs> I must have looked for a good hour trying to find this lizard in our, our bedroom. And I shared a bedroom with my little brother. So I tore shreds through him saying, did you lose my lizard? Did you do anything like this? And we couldn't find it anywhere. So I had to fess up to not only my parents that I had a lizard inside the house, I had to fess up to my friends that I've lost this lizard that we were going to care for each other. Now, to take a bit of a side track, we did find the lizard um, about a week later in one of our cupboards. We had these heavy pots and pans uh, and the lizard didn't make it because it must have been squashed when the, when the pots and pans got in there. So I cried a little bit after that. Um, but it's fair to say I didn't give enough care to this lizard. So care is defined in the, uh, in the dictionary as the provision of what is necessary for health, welfare, maintenance and the protection of someone, someone or something. Now, I definitely didn't do that to the lizard. <laughs> now, we've all experienced care in some time of our life. Whether we have given care to other people or whether we've received care ourselves. And when we talk about care within the church, it concerns the whole person. Not just their physical, but their emotional and social and spiritual aspects as well. It is the care and concern of the whole person, not just one area. And in all our lives, we get to call upon and encounter care all the time. As I said, whether we give it out or whether we need it ourselves, whether we give it out to pets or uh, friends or family members or we need it ourselves when we receive it from people within our church or our friends or family members. But how should we give care? And what does it look like practically in our lives? See, we all have that feeling within ourselves that we want to help other people. And especially when they're in times of need. But how do we do it? How does it look in our lives? So again, so as I said in our preamble, we should look no further than the Bible or Jesus' example 
on how we should care for different things. Jesus was the ultimate carer. He knew how to care for other people, but he also knew how to look after himself. And just as a side note before going on to anything else, if you are in need of care, if you need a little help in your life, there are people within this church that will be able to help you out. So don't try to do this sort of thing alone. Put your hand up or we can help you out in that area. But how do we care? One image that gets used a lot in the Bible is shepherding. In John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Shepherding is one of those occupations that we see here in Australia, but not as we see over in the rest of the world. It is still a valid occupation in, in different countries, and especially those uh, arid countries where, where there's lots of space and lots of open places. And so back in Jesus' time, it was an occupation that lots of people knew about. And there's a pretty good story that I, that I heard that, that sums up what shepherding is and what shepherding isn't. An Israeli tour guide was explaining the scenery, the history and the lifestyle. And his description included a heartwarming portrayal of what a shepherd does and their relationship between the sheep. He told on how the shepherd builds a relationship with his sheep and how he feeds them and generally cares for them. He pointed out that the shepherd doesn't drive the sheep it merely guides it and leads them. How he spends time getting to know the sheep because they hear his voice and follow. He explained on a previous tour things backfired for him when he was giving the same speech about sheep and shepherds, but in the midst of his telling his story, people were looking out the window at a guy in the fields. They heard a herd of sheep and he was throwing rocks at them and whacking them with sheep sticks. The sheep-driven driving man in his field torpedoed the guys and he said, no, stop. I've got to stop the bus. I've got to talk to this guy because I'm giving this story about what a shepherd does and here is this guy beating the sheep, sheep with sticks and throwing rocks at it. So he jumped off. He said, don't you understand what you have done to me? You are mistreating and hazing and assaulting the sheep. What is going on? For a moment, he, he froze. He said, man, you've got me all wrong. I'm a sheep chaser not a shepherd, I'm a butcher. <laughs> this poor, unwitting fellow had just proved the tool guide what was good caring and what was bad caring, what was good shepherding and what was bad shepherding. So often we think that shepherding or being a shepherd is about getting from the sheep from one place to the next place. But there's a lot more than that. Think about what it would have been like in Jesus' time, that little picture up there. There would have been no fences, no trucks to, to transport them. So they had to stay close to the sheep. They had to know the sheep, to care for the sheep. They had to sleep with the sheep, stay near them. People still think that these sheep were being cared for. And especially in that story where, where you see someone, as I said before, and, and they were throwing sticks at them, people would have still thought they were being cared for the sheep. But that's not how we care for the sheep. If we want to look for a typical biblical version of shepherding, we need to look no further than the Psalm 23. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesakes. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's just unpack this a little bit. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me to quiet waters. The green pastures there for a sheep is lots of things. It is food. It is comfort. And so God leads us there. And he leads me to the quiet waters. The quiet waters, again, would have been those waters for nutrient and for sustaining. But also the quiet waters where there aren't dangers around. He doesn't force them along. He doesn't push them along. He guides and leads. He refreshes them. He leads them to be refreshing of their soul. When I think about the images of what God has done for me, that resonates with me as well. See, the next part is one of my favourite parts as well. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For this is that knowledge for the sheep that the shepherd is with them. For the shepherd is walking alongside them. And so when I think about that, I know that I'm not alone. I've got God beside me. And when we talk about it from a care point of view, I mean, at a church point of view, what gives me joy about this place is that I'm not here alone. I've got the congregation, I've got you guys behind me, caring for me and supporting me. And so when I think about this shepherding analogy, it's not that hard to put it back into my own life. Because number one, God does that to me. But also, number two, I've got a congregation behind me that cares for me and supports me and doesn't throw sticks at me or anything like that. But they do care for me. Another strong biblical image is that one of serving. And it was one of the the passages that was read out to us today. See, we not only know that God came to serve, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served and cared for many people throughout his time on earth, including the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, just to name a few. And the elements of servanthood can be found in the passage. Now, I have it up there. It's a bit small, but as I said, we read about it before. The passage picks up some of the elements that we are more familiar with about caring, like visiting and feeding and just being there for people. And Jesus says, hey, if you haven't done it for anyone else, you haven't done it for me. It can be as simple as sitting with people or praying for them. I heard a pastor once share a story in their church that one day a couple of church members were out distributing loaves of bread in a low-income housing complex. They came to an apartment where they could hear arguing through the door. They decided to knock anyway. A man opened the door and abruptly said, what do you want? And the visitor says, we don't want anything. We just wondered if you know anyone who could use some loaves of bread. Why are you doing that, the man asked. Just to let people know that God loves them. What did he say, the man answered? We're just handing out loaves of bread to let people know that God loves them. The man stared and said, I can't believe this. We just buried our three-week-old son yesterday 
and now you are here at our door. The visitor offered to pray with them, and the couple accepted their offer. And as they were leaving the door, the, the door was being closed, they heard the husband say to his wife, See, honey, I, you, I told you God cares. We thought he wasn't paying attention to us. He sent those people here to make sure we knew. See, this is God and serving in action. This is care in action. See, we can see from this story, care is about serving others. It is about the ministry of the whole church. It is not just praying. It is not just giving. It's a combination of those things. This couple offered the gift of love just by handing out bread. They were just members of a congregation responding to God's call. Sometimes it can be just... Sometimes we have that thought that it can be just be left up to the paid workers or the pastoral care team. But sometimes we have to have that thought. I think, no, we are all can give pastoral care or all give care to people. So like the Matthew passage, the book of Acts gives us some insight into how we might live this. So I'll read this one out again. Acts 2, 42 to 48. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and continued and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number of those who were being saved. See, when I read this story, again, it fills my heart up because it is about the community getting together and caring for each other. It wasn't just left up to one or two people. It was left up for the whole community to care for each other. See, Ian Bunting once said, where Christ is, the church is. So if Christ is amongst the suffering, then so must the church. <clears throat> there are so many people within our congregation that suffer in different ways. Whether it is through financial and northern care health, or whether it is spiritually or emotionally. And there are times when we suffer and we need people around us. It goes back to the Acts Church on how they rallied around each other and helped each other out. So when I read the Bible, I find a foundation for caring. And it's being God-like and being Christ-like. Our God comes alongside us when we are down and we are at our lowest to show us love, to show us care and support. Not to force anything upon us, but to meet us where we are at. We need to do the same for the people around us. We come alongside them where they're at. We can guide them, we can lead them, we don't force them, we don't push them, we lead them and guide them. And sometimes it is just listening. Sometimes it is just sitting with them. Another foundation to caring is that it is practical. The thing that distinguishes the sheep from the goats is what they did. 
Don't tell someone that you'll pray for them and do not. Our God is an active God who sent his son to die for us. He acted in the ultimate act of caring. And so when we think about caring, we think about how we can do it actively. See, care is a whole community activity. And I hope over the next few weeks we'll be able to unpack it a little bit further in terms of how it's going to be done within our church. But it's good to say that we all have an active role in that as well, both in caring for others and also seeking how we are cared for ourselves. So let's just close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you guide us through the waters and lead us through soft grass. And that when we do go through the valley of death, that you do not leave us. And Lord, when we think about care, how we care for ourselves, please be encourage us to when we do feel low, that we don't have to do it alone. That we reach out and seek the care that we need. But Lord, as this church and as this congregation looks at how we care within our church and we're going to launch a few different models, Lord, remind us how to care for each other. Remind us how to look out for each other. Remind us to look to the Bible, to your examples of care. Lord, we don't do this alone. We do everything with you and in your strength. Lord, and we always thank you for being with us. And we just pray these things in your mighty and wonderful name. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that seeing your justice, mercy and compassion, they may give glory to God in heaven. And may God guide you continually. May Christ Jesus satisfy your needs in every parched place. And may the Holy Spirit keep you strong and well and make your life rich as a garden whose springs are living water that never fail. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.